0: Hello, welcome back to wrestling highlights of the week presented by my two cents podcast hosted by G2. I am G2. I am here to give you the wrestling highlights of the week for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, and Impact Wrestling. And for today's episode, since we are um, tonight is going to be NXT stand to deliver and also night one of WrestleMania. I will be giving you my predictions for both events and also tomorrow's. WrestleMania Night 2. Um, but before I do that, let's get on to the wrestling highlights of the week. Just want to give a start off that Raw, NXT, and Down is basically the last uh, of their shows until WrestleMania, so this was nothing but uh, promo packages and matches, but it's basically just a hype-up WrestleMania. But without further ado, just want to get that out the way. Raw opens up With Brock Lesnar coming down to the ring for an in-ring promo, Brock says he's going to take Roman to Suplex City, the F5 of him, and then he's going to win the Universal Championship and merge it with the WWE Championship to create the Unified Championship, and he's going to have custody of that championship because Brock made a whole, like, the champions are mother and fathers, they're going to make a baby Unified Championship. It was all fun and done with Brock Lesnar here, he still made his point come across, but he took lightly to on this promo here. And the fans were doing a whole lot of what's because Austin, because everybody can't wait for Stone Cold. Brock Lesnar like leaned into the what's so he didn't get phased. And also Kevin Owens later in the night also leaned into the what's as well. But I'll talk about that when I get to Kevin Owens. Anyway, that was Brock Lesnar in ring promo. After this, it was time for Rey Mysterio to go against The Miz. But before that happens, Miz came out, First, Miz came out, he bragged about taking Rey Mysterio's mask last week, and he talks about how he gave it to his friend Logan Paul, and he ends up calling Logan Paul out, but instead of calling out Logan Paul by the name Logan Paul, he calls out Lucha Logan, and you see Logan Paul come out with Rey Mysterio's mask, but he does a cartwheel, and that's his persona, Lucha Logan. Miz calls him the greatest luchador in history, and which that is a nasty, foul thing to say in your mouth, because Rey Mysterio is the greatest luchador in history. That's not even debatable. Um, Miz will continue to say that um, he is going to take Rey's mask tonight because why not? And him and Logan both will be walking into WrestleMania with mask on. This will lead to Ray and Dominic coming out and confronting Miz and Logan. But Dominic was a hothead. He ends up attacking Miz, start beating up on the Miz. You see Ray start tailing Logan and start following Logan. Logan starts moving away from Ray. And this would send referees coming out. And one of the refs that were going to referee the matchup between Ray and Miz had to. Eject Dominic before the match even begins. So, Dominic was not around ringside, but Logan Paul was around ringside for this match between the Miz and Rey Mysterio. So, we get to the match. Rey will win the match by pinfall when Miz was looking to hit a power bomb on Rey, but Rey counter out of it, flipped over, and flipped Miz into a pinning predicament. That's how he got the win. After the match, Dominic will run down to the ring, throw Logan Paul into the ring. Ray would get Logan Paul in position on the second rope so him and his son Dominic could hit a double 619 on Logan, but Logan Paul will slip out of the ring just in time. However, Dominic was able to grab Logan Paul by the head and pull off the mask that he was wearing, his own father's mask. So he gives, uh, Dominic gives his father back his mask and now the Miz would get up in the ring and he notices that. He is in between both Ray and Dominic. Miz would try to get out of the ring, but he would eat a super kick for his trouble from Dominic, and then Ray McS2 would hit a Huna Karana, and Miz would follow up and hit the second rope. Now he's in position for Ray and Dominic to hit a double 619, which they do, and then they hit frog splashes on Miz once at a time. And on commentary, you hear the guys like challenging Logan Paul to get in the ring to save the Miz. But he doesn't. He just stands there and watches, and he just like tries to chant for the Miz to get up and try to roll out of the ring, which doesn't happen. So I see that I see that we're gonna see Logan Paul kind of be left out in the dust at Mania, and Miz is a spiteful guy. He doesn't forget these type of things. But we'll have to see what happens on WrestleMania for that. After that, we would get a video playing of Seth Rollins meeting with Vince McMahon earlier in the day at WWE headquarters. And in the video, Vince would tell Seth that all he had to do was ask him for a match at Mania because we can't have WrestleMania without Seth Rollins. So, Seth is like perplexed and he asks Vince, so, I got a match at Mania. Vince tells him, yes, you have a match at Mania. So, you see Seth get up, he's so excited, but then he has to stop himself and he asks Vince, against who? Vince tells Seth, you will find out your opponent once you're in the ring at Mania. So, Seth's Takes a couple seconds to realize that. And then he just says, screw it. I have a match at Mania. He starts jumping on Vince's table. He stands there and starts like, uh, moving from side to side in such happiness because he now got his WrestleMania match that he's been wanting for weeks and weeks. So we're going to get Seth having his match at Mania. I don't know if it's going to be Cody because somebody on Twitter did put out that. Well, it would be funny that um, Seth is supposed to go against Cody, but Vince is very, very funny to the internet community, the internet wrestling community. He knows how to really egg him on. So it might be somebody like Gabe Steveson to go against Seth or even Shane McMahon. But who knows? Again, we have to find out at Mania. After this, we will get a 2 one handicap match. Omos going against the Viking Raiders. Omos will win the match by ring out when Omos would clothesline Eric of the Viking Raiders. And this... Uh clothes that would happen to knock Eric Silly a little bit. He will run out of the ring, uh, fall into the mat on the outside of the ring and just get counted out. So Olmaz wins the match fairly quickly. Um after the match, Olmaz will be interviewed in the ring, and Omaz states that he is undefeated and that he will dominate anybody, whether it be on Raw or Mania. Then you hear Bobby Lashley's music hits. And the fans are cheering, the commentary is going crazy because this is the first time we've seen Bobby since uh, Elimination Chamber at Saudi Arabia. Bobby comes out, he gets in the ring, he, him and uh, Omos have a stare down between each other and you just see them stare at each other. Omas pie faces Lashley with one hand and Lashley gets shoved into the uh, turnbuckle in the corner. Lashley doesn't take exception to this so he tries to ta- uh, shoulder tackle Omos. Omos doesn't fall down because he's too big, so Omos does it again. He shoves Lashley again into the turnbuckle, and now Lashley's getting more upset. He runs off the ropes, and Omos looks to close clothesline Lashley this time, but Lashley would duck it, and he would run off the ropes again and then jump and hit a shoulder tackle on Omos, and this time, this would knock Omos down, and this would be the first time that Omos actually did get knocked down in his career because the commentary team did highlight that. Omos would slide out of the ring, and then you would see Omos and Lashley both point to the WrestleMania logo, and this would confirm their matchup that they were going to have at WrestleMania. After this, we would get a bloodline uh, and Paul Heyman coming down to the ring, and they're out here for Roman Reigns' in-ring promo. Roman was wearing an all-red jumpsuit, so this kind of goes into his whole uh, promo tonight because Roman was out here to talk about doing everything in this business except one thing, and that one thing eats at him and pisses him off, and that's he has not beaten Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Roman would mention how Brock, a couple weeks ago, was upset because Roman made him bleed at Madison Square Garden, and he was looking for blood. Roman would recount To when Brock made him bleed at WrestleMania 34. And then Roman will talk about how his kids didn't recognize him after that match. And that his wife wanted him out of that business. And worst of all to Roman, his family doubted him. And when he did, he took a nice little, like he really just sucked in the air. And he looked at Jay and he looked at Jimmy. He got in both of their faces when he said his family doubted him. Because the whole Roman Reigns tribal chief character, he doesn't take disrespect. He doesn't do that. And if his family doubts him, that makes him less of a man. And if he's less of a man, that eats at him. So Roman has been holding in this baggage for all this time. Roman would then mention how he has taken almost everything away from Brock. He mentions how he took Brock's special counsel and now turned him into the tribal chief's advisor, wise man. He took Brock's claim of being the longest champion in the last 35 years and he took his blood at madison square garden and at wrestlemania he's going to take his title roman would finish off his promo by saying this and then brock you're gonna know what it's gonna be like to make it personal because i'm gonna make it personal because it's always been personal to me so just by hearing Roman just saying that this made it personal and you feel you hear all that emotion in his like voice. This has been telling you that this has really been eating at Roman for a long time. And at WrestleMania, he really wants to end this thing between him and Brock and be at one beat Brock at Mania for the WWE champion to unify both belts. And two to finally cross that off the, his list of beating Brock at WrestleMania. He's beaten Brock before, but he just needs to beat Brock at Mania. But I'll get more into that whenever the predictions come into. After this, we have our eight-woman tag matchup between all the teams that will be at, well, in the Fatal 4-Way match for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. You have the team of Naomi, Sasha, Rhea, Ripley, and Liv Morgan going against the team of Queen Selena, Carmella, Shayna Baszler, and Natalia. Naomi's team would win the match by pinfall when Maria Ripley would hit the riptide on Selena for the win. Selena's team could have won the match if they didn't get at each other towards the ending of the match when Shayna Baszler and Natalya hit uh, Sasha Banks with the heart attack and then Selena threw out Natalya out of the ring. This will lead to the whole team start falling apart. You have Shayna Baszler getting to Selena's face and then you see uh, um, Shayna push. Selena, and then she gets outside of the ring, and then there you see all of the members of Naomi's team start attacking Selena, which leads to Selena basically getting hit with a rip tie by Rhea Ripley. After this, they play a promo package of Stone Cold Steve Austin, and this basically gives the highlight of Steve Austin's whole career, which sets up for Kevin Owens to have an in-ring promo. Kevin Owens mentions how last week he gave Stone Cold a tribute last week with him dressing up in the ball cap and the jean shorts, Kevin Owens would insist that last week he was doing everyone a favor because that is the closest we would get to the old Stone Cold. And that the version of old Stone Cold has been gone for 19 years, and we're never going to see that version again. Kevin Owens would then mention that at WrestleMania, it won't be Stone Cold that comes out to that ring. Instead, it'll just be Steve. Kevin Owens would say that at Mania they're going to have a beer and that Steve will pass the torch to Kevin Owens and also claim that Kevin Owens has the best stunner. Kevin Owens would then mention that if Steve tries anything funny with Kevin Owens at Mania, he's going to stun Steve and that will be it because that's the bottom line because KO said so. So throughout his promo, you know whenever Stone Cold's name is mentioned, or anytime Stone Cold is on the whole like programming, fans are going to do the whole what chanting, what, what. So, Kevin Owens would say multiple things back. He would say his claim, and then he would say the what, then say his claim again, then say the claim again, what. He would, he, f- like, pandered with the fans so the fans wouldn't be able to knock him off his game. So, I got to give kudos to Kevin Owens for that. After this, we had Ricochet going against Austin Theory. Austin Theory will win the match by pinfall when Ricochet was on the top turnbuckle. Then Theory hits uh, the top rope, and this will make Ricochet buckle and fall on the top turnbuckle. Theory would then grab Ricochet, put him on his shoulders, hit the ATL for the win. After this, we had Bianca Belair in ring promo. Bianca mentions that Becky tried to take her out, but that was only for one week, and Becky couldn't get the job done. Bianca would then mention how Becky would constantly mention uh, Bianca ever since SummerSlam and that Becky has had some type of vendetta against Bianca and that Becky has cheated to retain her championship every time they had a match with each other. Bianca will say that that isn't going to happen this Sunday at Mania because she is going to beat Becky and take back the championship from her and there's nothing Becky can do about it. Becky's music will hit and Bianca will be waiting for Becky to come out from the entranceway, but Becky will pop up from underneath the ring, and then you see Bianca and Becky start fighting in the ring. Inside the ring as well is a steel chair and a black bag. Becky will get the steel chair, hit Bianca in the stomach with the chair, and then hit her in the back, so now Bianca's laid out on the mat. Becky would then go to the black bag, pull out scissors, because she said that she, she was going to get at Bianca's hair next time. So next time is right now. Becky would go over to Bianca, grab her by the head, hold her hair, and it looks like she's about to cut her hair. You see referees come down trying to stop Becky, and this would all allow Bianca to gain her uh, consciousness, pick up Becky on her shoulders, and hit the KOD. So once she does this, Bianca then will look at Becky on the mat and then look at the scissors, but then she will pick Becky up again and hit the KOD on her again to make sure that Becky was truly knocked out at this point grab the scissors, go over to Becky's hair and start cutting the ends of Becky's hair. And so she's cutting the hair and it looks like she's giving her a nice little hairdo or whatever. She doesn't really like cut a lot. You just see like she cuts cuts the ends of Becky's hair. Uh, Pierce and Sonya Deville will come down and start telling Bianca to get off of Becky. You see nobody touching Bianca by the way. That was really weird to me. I at least thought Uh, Sonya Deville would try to touch Bianca Belair, like try to tap her and say, hey, get off of her. But she didn't. They just let Bianca go with free reign with this. Once Bianca was done cutting Becky's hair to her satisfaction, she would get out of the ring and she would have a piece of Becky's hair still in her hand. Becky would then regain her consciousness and start looking at the mat and see that her hair is on the mat and she starts freaking out. You see her start freaking out and then she starts mumbling under her breath that she is going to end her. And she would say that over and over again. So at Mania, we're going to see a good match between Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch. After this, we get a two-on-one handicap match. Drew McIntyre going against the team of Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss. But you could really say a one-on-one match because Drew was waiting for Happy Corbin to get tagged into the match, but Happy Corbin was not trying to get into the match. Instead, he just drops off the um, apron and just allows... Drew McIntyre to beat on Madcap Moss. Drew would win the match by pinfall when he is Madcap with the Claymore kick for the win. Happy would then get in the ring after the match and start attacking Drew from behind and start throwing him into ring post after ring post. And then he will lay out McIntyre with the end of days. And then he would go into the corner and grab Drew McIntyre's sword, leave the ring, and help Madcap back to his feet and start walking to the back so happy corbin has drew mcintyre's sword at this moment and we'll have to see what happens later after this we have an edge promo and he's in the back edge mentions that last week he attacked aj instead of seth not because seth doesn't deserve a beating but so fate can take its course edge mentioned that it needs to be aj and then they need each other for aj it's so he can stop being a mediocre superstar but to be a -a once-in-a-lifetime superstar that he is. And Edge told him, and you're welcome for that. And Edge said for him is to become the benchmark of WWE so he can reach this new plethora, this new height that he has ascended to. Edge did mention that at Mania, after 20 years of ducking each other, because they've never been in the exact same place at the exact same time, they will face off for the first time in a match for the ages. And then Edge mentions that he saw AJ's eyes last week. And AJ knows that Edge is roaming in his head. And in that mania, it will be AJ's judgment day. And AJ's judgment is sealed. So that was a real cryptic type promo from Edge. But again, this is Edge's new character. I, I'm i digging it right now. I just don't dig the whole like Undertaker lighting that he comes out with. With the whole purple aura lighting that he got. But we'll have to see what type of lighting he gets at Mania. Please don't get that purple lighting. Dog, change to something else. Change to something, I don't need you with that purple lighting. That purple lighting is Undertaker Light. That's just my, like, personal standard on that. After this, we would get the main event of the night. The tag team matchup of RK-Bro going against the Usos in a Survivor Series rematch. The Raw Tag Team Champions going against the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Rick Boogs and Shinsuke Nakamura were on commentary for this match. The match will end in a no contest when the Street Profits would come in the ring and attack RK-Bro. Nakamura and Boogs would then enter the ring and take care of the Usos. They would fight with the Usos out of the ring and into the back. And then you would see Riddle hit an RKO on Dawkins. And then Riddle would grab Montez and pop him up in the air. And then Riddle would have Randy catch Montez in the air and hit an RKO. Then you see our. Uh, rk bro celebrating in the ring and then you see them pick up street profits again and hit another pair of rkos on them and that's how raw ends so my question for this is that are the street profits bad guys or tweeners here i understand they wanted to show some aggression here and i'm cool with the team that's always smiling and having a good time wanting to show a little bit more aggression i'm cool with that but for them to come out and just beat up on rk bro just for no reason and I just don't get that. So are they bad guys or are they tweeners? That's just my big mystery mark for that situation here. Anyway, it was a straight Monday Night Raw. You got your matches and you got your uh, promos to lead up to Mania. It was solid. After this, now it's time for NXT. NXT starts off with a six-man tag team matchup. It was Imperium going against a team of MSK and LA Knight. As Imperium was on the entrance ramps doing their entrance, you saw LA Knight and MSK attack them from behind, so that's how the match started. You would think Knight and MSK were going to get the win because they jumped them for the advantage. That didn't happen. Imperium would get the win by pinfall when Fabian Eigner would hit Nash Carter with a clothesline, turning Nash inside out for the win. After the match, the Kree brothers would wait at the entrance stage and stare at both MSK and Imperium because remember at Stand and Deliver is gonna be the the Kree Brothers going against MSK and Imperium for the NXT Tag Team Championships in a triple threat match. After this, we had the match of Ivy now with Malcolm Bivens in her corner going against Tiffany Stratton. Ivy will win the match by submission thanks to a distraction by Sereng. When Ivy and Tiffany were laid out on the mat, you start seeing smoke appear at the entrance of of this ring. Tiffany will look up and see the smoke and question what's going on. Tiffany will try to pick up Ivy to do some type of move, but then you see Saray on the ring apron, and then you see Saray mouth off with Tiffany. Tiffany lifts up Ivy. Ivy will counter out of this and then apply the sleeper, well, dragon sleeper on Tiffany, and Tiffany would immediately start tapping as soon as she got put locked into that submission. So Ivy now wins the match by submission. After this, we have Legada Del Fantasma's Joaquin Wilde and Raul Mendoza with Electro Lopez in their corner, going against a team of Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen with Fallon Henley in their corner. Briggs and Jensen will win the match by pinfall when they hit the clothesline version of the high-low on Joaquin Wilde for the win. Solid tag match, nothing more to say about this. After this, we had Toxic Attraction coming out to the ring, and you have Mandy Rose talk. Mandy Rose talks about how I stand and deliver. She will be in a Fatal 4-Way tag team match because Kaylee Ray and Io Shirai took what Mandy said a couple weeks ago to heart when Mandy said that she would take on any woman at any time. So, we now have a Fatal 4-Way match of Cora Jade, Kaylee Ray, Io Shirai, and NXT Women's Champion Mandy Rose. Mandy mentions that she isn't afraid to take them on because she has the greatest backup in the world and is Gigi and JC by her side. Mandy mentions that once she beats those ladies at Stand Deliver, then Mandy will carve in her legacy as the greatest NXT Women's Champion in history. Mandy then turns her attention to Dakota Kai and Wendy Chu. Mandy says that... Toxic Attraction took out Raquel Gonzalez and gave Wendy and Dakota the win on a silver platter and in the end, at the end of the tournament, they failed the Toxic Attraction. Mandy mentions how they took out Wendy Chu earlier and that they have beaten everyone in the women's division and that there's no one left. Gigi and JC then grant the mic and mention that at Stand and deliver, they will walk in champions and see Mandy beat her opponents, and that they all will walk out champions. Dakota's music hits. Dakota Kai will run out and attack Toxic Attraction. And she gets a couple of licks off first, but you got to remember, it's a three-on-one assault. So all the Toxic Attraction do beat up on Dakota Kai, and they beat up on her to the point that Raquel Gonzalez has to run out to the ring and make the save. And this is Raquel's first time being back on television in three weeks, I believe. Um, Raquel runs into the ring, and now it's Raquel and Dakota beating up on toxic attraction. They were able to clear the ring of toxic attraction, and then they stand back to back, and then that's when you see them turn and stare at each other. And for anybody that, doesn't, that hasn't been looking at NXT in 2021, um, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez, they were tag team partners. They were the first NXT women Tag Team Champions. And then they were still together after they lost the belt. And then when Raquel won the NXT Women's Championship, that's when everything changed. And Dakota Kai became jealous of Raquel. And that's whenever they had this whole feud. So that's just the template where we're at here. So they're both former friends. And now we see them staring at each other. And the fans are chanting for them. And then you see Dakota run into the arms of Raquel. And you see them both embrace each other. They hug. The fans are cheering. And now you see them just... Now you get the imagery of what's basically bound to happen. You see them get done hugging each other. Dakota looks over and she sees one of the women's tag tag titles. She grabs it and then she moves over to Raquel. And both her and Raquel lift up the championship. And that kind of solidifies what's about to happen next. Because it was announced later in the night that on the pre-show of Stand and Deliver... It will be Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez going against Gigi and JC for the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships. After this, we will have a matchup between Bodie Hayward, who had Andre Chase in his corner, going against Von Wagner, who had Robert Stone in his corner. Jagged Time was on commentary for this match, by the way. Von Wagner would win the match by pinfall when he hits the Death Valley Driver for the win. After the match, Von went over to Jacket Time's announce table and attacks both men. And he will end up throwing Ichamin Juro into the ring and hit him with the Death Valley driver and then take Juro's jacket that he was wearing and tear it right down the middle. And that's it. See the thing that I don't like about this here is that okay you're trying to give jacket time some like time on television. Okay, cool, fine, whatever. But Kushida is a guy that should be on television just wrestling. Again, I understand NXT 2.0 isn't like NXT black and gold or whatever, but Kushida is a talented wrestler, and I don't think this jagged type thing is going to work for him. I'm just going to call a spade a spade. So we need to hurry up and kind of like get this out of here. After this, we had Joe Gacy with Harlan going against Draco Anthony. Joe Gacy will win the match by pinfall when he hit his springboard handstand clothesline for the win. During this match, we had, like, there was a camera angle shot of a guy that works in NXT. I think his name is Quincy, and they, a commentary kind of pointed it out because you saw him standing behind the barricade, like, with the fans, and he just looking at Harlan in a real, like like, lip-biting way, like, he was looking at Harlan in that way, and the commentary team kind of, like, they hinted on it at one point, but they didn't really, like, divulge in it. And I just saw that, I'm like, hold on, what's my man doing? That is weird. Are we really about to go there with this? we really trying to... I'm gonna wait and see how they progress with that before I give my full, like, thoughts on it, but I just... I don't know where we're going. I have an idea, but we'll see. Uh, after this, we had another matchup: Nikita Lyons going against Salone Jacobs. Nikita will win the match by pinfall when Nikita kicks Jacobs in the head and then hits her jumping split on Jacobs for the win. After the match, Latch Legend would appear on the Titantron and tell Nikita that after standing deliver, the they will have to finish their unfinished business. Lash says that she will show Nikita that she is more athletic than her, more talented than her, and most importantly, a bigger star than her. So, again, next Wednesday, well, next Tuesday, it will be Nikita, Lions, going against Lash, Legend, I believe that's where we're setting this thing up. Anyway, now it's time for the main event of NXT. Trouble Threat Match. Condition is, winner gets the last slot into the North American Ladder Match at Stand and Deliver. It is Roderick Strong going against A-Kid going against Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes will win the match by pinfall when Roderick hit A-Kid with the end of heartache. And then Grimes would easily run in and hit Roderick Strong with the cave pin Roderick for the win. After the match, you would then see each member of the ladder match. That would be Santos Escobar, Grayson Waller, Solo Sokoa, and Carmelo Hayes. Talk on the mic and say that at standing and Deliver, they're going to walk out as the NXT North American Champion. Cameron guys will get the last say that he's going to grab the North American Championship and take it to the moon. And then you will see him hit Carmelo Hayes in the head. So now you get a big brawl to end off NXT with all the members that's going to be in the ladder match. And also Sunga and trick williams in there as well because they're the bodyguards of grayson waller and carmelo hayes so that kind of gives you everything what you need to know so all the members and their bodyguards brawled at the end of the night and that's how nxt ended with a big old brawl on their hands nxt great show and also on the show as well you had like promo packages for dolph ziggler leading into uh stand and deliver and also braun breaker have himself a promo package and also Tony D'Angelo with a promo. And also uh, Tommaso Ciampa with a promo. Again, I want to state this again NXT, WWE on Raw, and SmackDown were nothing but promo packages and some matches as well. Now, on to AEW Dynamite. Um, on Dynamite, we would find out that Jay Cargo's 30th match that she's going to be defending her TBS championship will be against Marina Shafir. So she will be debuting on television, whether it be Dynamite or Rampage sometime in a later date. It was not announced, but we shall see whenever the date comes around. Anyway, the first match of the night to open up AEW Dynamite was CM Punk going against Max Caster of the Acclaimed with his partner, Anthony Bowens, at ringside. Punk would win the match by submission when he hit the pile driver that floated over and applied the Anticon device on Max to tap out. After the match, we had CM Punk have an in-ring interview, and the main gist of the interview was basically Punk saying that he doesn't know whether the champ will be Adam Cole Bebe or Hangman Page, but before his time at AEW is done, he knows certain things. One, he knows that his beard will get a whole lot more grayer, and two, before his time at AEW is over, he will become AEW World Champion, and he wants to make that sooner rather than later. So that tells you that Punk's uh, intentions and his mindset right now is focused on the AEW World Championship. After this, we would go to a backstage interview of FTR and MJF. And MJF had Warlow's face plastered on a piece of paper. And you had his lawyer, Smart Mark Sterling, posted it all around in the backstage area. And Max would say that the pinnacle was still together and they are better than ever since they got rid of that oaf, Warlow, then you'll see Dax, Harwood, like, step in and tell Max, hey, listen, me and Cash, we're both friends with both you and Warlow, and whatever's going on between you two, we don't want any part of this, MJF will tell him that, listen, hey, I would never put you guys in our, in that situation, but he does let Warlow know that behind their back, Warlow would talk crap about them, but you see on Cash's face that he doesn't believe that, and you also see in Dax's face, he doesn't believe that neither. And then you see MJF put his hand out and he will finish the interview by saying when you're in the pinnacle. And as he's waiting to finish that um saying, he was waiting for FTR to put their hands out and FTR just looking at Max's hand. They don't want to put their hand out, but they reluctantly do it. And they put their hands on top of Max's hand and Max finishes it off by saying you're always on top. So this tells you that the pinnacle isn't asked. Together as a cohesive unit as MGF is trying to play it out again. Since everything's starting to break down, Tully's not around no more. Sean Spears is like exclusively the buddy of MGF. And now you see FTR having a problem with it because they are choosing their loyalty over to Warlow as it seems right now. But you see that Max is trying to um, keep FTR on their side as well. After this, we will get a match of Jay Lethal going against Jon Moxley. Moxley would win the match by pinfall when Moxley was able to counter Jay Lethal's clothesline and then turn it into a paradise shift for the win. It was a good match between Jay Lethal and Jon Moxley. Um, At the beginning of the match, Jay Lethal wanted to shake Moxley's hand. He extended his hand out and Moxley just kicked or slapped Jay Lethal's hand away and this kind of made Jay Lethal upset. However, after the match, you will see Moxley extend his hand out now to shake with Jay, and Jay was rubbing his head, and he's looking disappointed after the ink uh, outcome of this match because he wanted to win, and he's starting to feel within himself that he can't win matches that he know he's supposed to win. So he ends up shaking Moxley's hand, but you could tell in Jay that he doesn't like losing, and right now he's on the losing streak. And on Rampage, he mentioned how, well, last week's Rampage, he mentioned how he's on a losing streak and he wants to change that, but he has to find it within himself to change. I hope that he finds Truth Martini if he can. Like, I don't know if Truth Martini is retired or not. If you guys don't know, Truth Martini was uh, Jay Lethal's manager in Ring of Honor, I believe from 2014-ish all the way to 2017. I want to give it that. Either way, those were like the highlight years of Jay Lethal because he was able to be a dickhead, he was able to be the confident champion, the ring of honor television champion, who ended up converting over to the world champion. I mean, it's in the whole back catalog of ring of honor stuff. If you want to do that, just look up on YouTube Jay Lethal Truth Martini, Ring of Honor. Trust me, you'll see it. Some of Jay Lethal's best work that he's ever done. And I will put that over his black machismo stuff. And I understand black machismo got Jay Lethal to the level that everybody noticed him. But I believe that his work with Truth Martini really set him over the top as the guy that could carry any company. So if he can get Truth Martini back on his side any way that he can, I guarantee you we will all be shown something that I don't think the main stage people know about Jay Lethal yet. Anyway. After this, we will have FTR going against the Gun Club who had Billy Gunn in their corner. Uh, Before the match even started, all the uh, participants were in the match, and then you will see MJF's music hit, and you will see him walk out, and he gets to the commentary table to show his support for FTR. FTR is in the ring. They're looking at MJF, asking him why he's out here, but they don't worry about that. They do their match with the Gun Club, and towards the end of the match, you will see video showing Warlow walking into the arena and he starts attacking security. Now, mind you, I said earlier that you had Warlow on a like paper that Max had his lawyer put up everywhere. And it's basically was saying that do not allow Warlow to get into this building. Warlow has been barred from this arena because Warlow was under the uh, contract of MJF. And MJF said that he was going to ice Warlow out. But Warlow's here. He attacks security, Warlow makes it into the arena, he goes into the crowd, and at which point, he's starting to point at MJF, and he starts shouting at MJF, saying, I'm going to get you, and then you start seeing a swarm of security run up and grab Warlow, and then you see him just start getting, like, tussled to the back, and at this point, FTR would win the match by pinfall when they hit the big rig on Austin Gunn for the win. After the match, MJF is happy that his guys win. He runs down to the ring. He tries to lift the arms of FTR, but they're not having it. Dax, especially, he's shouting at MJF, said, I told you, I don't want nothing nothing to do with you and Warlow. You guys got to hand it out on your own. That's not pinnacle business. That's between you two. Max is trying to calm Dax down. He's trying to calm Cash down. He's trying to calm both of them down because, again, powers are what... There's numbers of powers for MJF, especially if he has Sean Spears and FTR on his side, he can beat up Warlow. However, without FTR, Max knows that just with Sean Spears on his side, he knows he is dead meat. So right now he has to play Mr. Nice-Nice with FTR at this moment. So that's where we're kind of at at this moment right here. After this, we get the Jericho Appreciation Society backstage moment. And Jericho Appreciation Society talks about how they're being sports entertainers and how they're mission is to beat up pro wrestlers like they did last week jericho mentions that wrestlers from other companies have contacted him and tried to get in with the group but they can go screw themselves and then you would see uh members of the jericho Appreciation society basically 2.0 uh go and check behind the curtains to see if santana ortiz and kingston were there on one side they weren't there Hager checks the other side and you see Santana Ortiz and Kingston and you see Santana pop Hager in the head with a slapjack. Now a slapjack is a sock that you put any object in, and then for this instance, commentary put over that Santana had an eight ball in it, so that's what it was inside the sock. At this moment, Kingston, Santana Ortiz will start to beat up the Jericho uh group, and to the point that they bring the fight from the backstage arena in front of the people, and Kingston is beating up Jericho. He's taking out Jericho, he brings him in the ring, he hits him with a back fist, and this knocks Jericho down for the moment, and then you see Santana and Ortiz take out both members of 2.0, and then you see Santana and Ortiz get in the ring, and they try to beat up on Jericho. They have him in position to hit the street sweep, however, uh, Hager runs down to the ring and gets in the ring and attacks Ortiz. And then you see uh, one of the members of 2.0 push Santana off the top rope, and now it's Turn into a five one three beatdown. The Jericho Appreciation Society has the numbers advantage. Jericho would start beating on Kingston's back with his baseball bat while Kingston was locked into the sharpshooter by uh, Daniel Garcia. And ultimately, you would see Jericho take his belt off and hit Kingston in the back multiple times, basically whipping him. And at the end of the day, you saw Jericho Appreciation Society standing over the fallen three men. So this is still going on with those like two groups beating at each other, and you know the funny thing was, I was watching this, and I was saying, why isn't Sammy Guevara coming out here, I understand Sammy has a thing with Scorpio Scott, but you can intermingle, like, storylines together, because in Jericho's thing, when he made the whole Jericho Society, the whole, like, mission statement, calling themselves sports entertainers in their promo, he mentioned how he wasn't appreciated by Santana and Ortiz and Sammy Guevara in that whole situation. And that made me think, okay, Sammy's going to be included at this at one point. And Sammy still is cool with Ortiz and Santana. So I thought, okay, well, Sammy's going to be out here. Nope. He was not out here. So he left all of them out high and dry. So whenever it's Sammy's turn to get beat up by Jericho and Preacher Society, I want to see if they're going to return the favor. But that's in the future. After this moment, we will have our one-on-one competition. Uh, Brian Danielson with William Regal, technically not in this corner, but he was at commentary during this match going against Wheeler Yuta. Brian would win the match by referee stoppage when Brian had Yuta's arms, and he's about to stomp Yuta's head in. Yuta, in one more act of defiance, he lifts his head up, and he hits a, well, not hits, he spits a big Louie. Over into Brian's face, and then you see Brian just stomp the crap out of you. I mean, he just mercilessly just stomp on him. Then he lifts him up, hits him with the gotch pile driver, and then you see him locking the bell lock. And on commentary, you hear JR and Tony Schiavone and Excalibur say the referee needs to stop this. The referee does, and that's it. In this match, Yuda was able to get off a whole lot of offense. And even on commentary, you heard Regal talk about how this is the fire that he wanted to see from yuda and he even commended yuda for showing a lot of um he showed a lot of what regal is looking for whatever you want to join their group the blackpool uh combat club again still a name i gotta get used to but hey man that's the name they want to use that's fine But that's the type of stuff he's willing to, he wants to see from anybody that wants to join him. So right now, Yuta is kind of in the forefront of Regal's mind to join the Black Blackpool Combat Club. After this, we will have another in-ring segment. And this time it's from the Undisputed Elite. Yes, that is Adam Cole and Red Dragon. They're out here with the World Championship and the Tag Team Titles. And they covered the champions' names With their names on the world title, it has Adam Cole in the tag titles. It has uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish's name on them. Adam lets it be known that Hangman and Jurassic Express aren't here because they're embarrassed that they got their titles uh, taken from them. Adam says that they didn't steal the championships because you can't steal something that belongs to them. Then you will see them continue to gloat that they're the best three men in the business. Then you see Hangman's music hit. Now everybody's waiting for Heyman to walk through the curtain, but he doesn't. He pulls into the arena with a white Tesla with the JBL horns on the front. Heyman will run out of the car, get into the ring, and start attacking all three men. And he was able to beat up on all three of them. Actually, he had uh, Red Dragon at one point even leave the ring, and at one point he was set up the deadeye to hit well, the buckeye on um Cole, but Cole was brought out of the ring ...by Red Dragon to save him. But... ...behind Red Dragon and Adam Cole's back... ...you saw Jurassic Express with... ...Christian Cage run out from the back... ...and attack them from behind. And then throw them back into the ring... ...and then you see all these guys... ...hit their moves on Red Dragon... ...and Adam Cole. And you see them ultimately... ...get thrown out of the ring again... ...and then you see Jurassic Express and Hangman... ...lift up their championships... ...in... ...victory... So again, this is still proving that hey, Cole and Red Dragon are the front runners, basically the basically number one contenders for those titles. And this is a continuation in building until that match like happens. After this, it's time for Thunder Rosa's onstage interview. Thunder Rosa mentions how it was shame, how her interview last week got hijacked by Vicky Guerrero. Thunder will continue to say that she is the first Mexican-born AEW world champion. Well, woman's champion, and she plans on not just becoming the face of the AEW women's Division, but to be the face of women's wrestling, Rosa would say that every time she would make it to the top, there would be bullies trying to tear her down, and that segues it over to Rosa talking about now the rose. Rosa let it be known that it doesn't matter if it's Nyla or anybody else, she will take on anybody and anywhere to prove that she's the face of the women's division and basically the face of women's wrestling. I like this promo. This basically gives Rosa her mission, unless everybody know what Rosa's on. So I'm cool with that. Uh, after this, we had our Women's Owen Hart uh, Foundation tournament qualifying matchup between the Bunny and the debuting Tony Storm. Tony would win the match by Pinfall when she hits the strong, well, the Storm Zero, which is a pull-up Pile driver for the win. This was a I'm happy to see Tony in AEW. It was already kind of rumored that Tony would be in AEW. So I'm happy to see her here. I mean, she wasn't happy in WWE and she looks leaner in uh, AEW in her debut. So this always is a great thing whenever you see somebody leave a company and then they come back in great physical condition. It's always good, especially in a physical like, in a physical element like WWE or professional wrestling or any type of like thing that you got to move your body in. I'm glad whenever people are away and they come back and they look great. This is exactly what happened with Tony. I'm happy to see her uh, back. And now for the main event, Andrade El Idolo going against Darby Allen. Andrade will win the match by pinfall thanks to the distraction from the Butcher and the Blade. When Darby had Andrade in the armbar. It looked like he was going to tap out, but Jose starts coming down to the ring, and behind him comes Sting. Sting happens to clothesline Jose behind the head, and then this this leads over to the Butcher and the Blade coming down the ramp and start attacking Sting from behind. Darby will see this, and he lets go of the armbar. He goes to the top turnbuckle and jumps on Butcher and the Blade. Once Darby gets back into the ring, Andrade would get Darby in a roll-up, and then lift him up, and then throw him into the turnbuckle. This will allow Andrade to then hit El Idolo, which is the hammerlock DDT on Darby for the win. After the match, Sting will get in the ring to check on Darby, and this would lead to Sting getting attacked by the Butcher and the Blade. Then Private Party will come running down to the ring and join in on attacking both Darby and Sting. So now is a 5-on-2 beatdown. This will continue until the Hardys will come running down to the ring. Matt will have a chair in his hand, and once he got in the ring, you saw Butcher and the Blade and Andrade leave the ring. And you see Matt hit Mark Quinn with the steel chair in the stomach. And they hit him with the twist of fate. And then you see Jeff Hardy hit the Swanton Bomb on Quinn also. Uh, this will end off Dynamite with Sting, Darby, and the Hardys looking at Andrade and his group on the ramp. So again, this is further proving that the Hardys are aligned with Darby and Sting. And it's great because we're going to see one day Darby having to leave Sting. And I think he's going to face off with Jeff Hardy. Well, it's going to happen, but this just gives you a more closer look at what's to come in the future. Also, by the way, before I get off AEW Dynamite, it was announced that next week on Dynamite, it will be the Hardys going against Butcher and the Blade in a tables match. Now, that is your AEW Dynamite wrestling highlights of the week. Now to Impact Wrestling. Just to note, uh, it was announced on this episode's Impact that next week, Impact will have their IPWF. It was basically a spoof on pro wrestling of the 80s, which had wrestlers basically of the Impact Wrestling roster dressed up as 80s professional wrestlers. So, next week, you will not be getting Impact Wrestling, wrestling highlights of the week. You will not be getting results. I'm not doing that. Just want to throw it out there. Now, Impact opens up with a video of josh alexander at a indie wrestling show uh destiny that's a a wrestling company that's partnered up with impact wrestling and you see josh alexander in the ring with his wife and his two kids and you see him talking and then out from the back you see moose come in and he like spears josh's wife and josh looks surprised so impact shows that to let you know what type of time josh alexander is on because as soon as that video package is done, you see Josh Alexander walking to the impact uh, building, and he walks right into Scott DeMore. Scott DeMore tells Josh, I know what you're thinking, and Moose isn't here. I told him to go home. Josh tells Scott, we're not doing this thing where I have to wait until rebellion for me to get my hands on Moose. Scott tells Josh, I know how you feel because I know your wife before you got with her. Josh would then jack Scott DeMore up by the, like, his business suit and tell him you don't know how i'm feeling right now he didn't do that to your wife he did that to mine and i want my hands on moose he ends up telling scott i hope moose is watching what i'm gonna do to fulton tonight so he can get at least a small preview of what i'm gonna do to him he lets scott go and then he walks away so then we go to the ring and we see jonathan gresham come out and he walks to the ring he gets a mic Jonathan Gresham explains why he's in Impact Wrestling, and he's the reason why he's here is because he wanted to show people the true essence of Ring of Honor. But with that, came with a group called Honor No More. Gresham would say Ring of Honor was built off the foundation of guys like himself, Samoa Joe, Brian Danielson, CM Punk, and Eddie Edwards. Gresham would say that Eddie has changed, and now he represents something different, Jonathan Wood mentioned that he will be facing Edwards at Rebellion, and this would prompt Kenny King to come out. And King tells Jonathan Gresham that he disgusts him. He says this because Ring of Honor is using Gresham like a puppet to show off around the world. And King tells Gresham that even though Eddie took out Gresham, everybody in Honor No More voted for Gresham to be taken out. King mentions that he isn't out here for a peer rules match, or that worthless piece of metal, which he's calling basically the Ring of Honor title that Gresham has. He's out here to pound Gresham into the dirt, so that leads into the match that we have right now between Jonathan Gresham and Kenny King. Gresham would pin Kenny King when he had King in a figure four and then stood up, and King's shoulders were on the mat, so this allowed the referee to count to three. After the match, Eddie Edwards ran into the ring and attacked Jonathan Gresham. Kenny King would help Eddie Edwards and even had Gresham held in a position for Eddie to hit him with the Boston Knee Party. But before he could hit that, Rocky Romero would run into the ring and save Gresham. And now you see Gresham fighting King and Rocky fighting Edwards. You see both of the men throw King and Eddie into the ropes. And then you see Gresham and Romero, Rocky Romero hit uh, stereo drop kicks on both of them. This will lead to King and Eddie Edwards rolling out of the ring and basically live to fight another day. After this, we had a tag team matchup of Johnny Swinger and Zicky Dice calling out two chumps, anybody in the back. And out comes the Good Brothers. The Good Brothers will win the match by pinfall when you hit the Magic Killer on Zicky Dice for the win. Real quick matchup. After this, we had a backstage situation, well, a parking lot situation because it was PCO in the parking lot and he's shouting out for Jonah to come out. PCO will constantly do this until Jonah hits PCO in the back with a hand truck. And then you would lead into both of these guys fighting in the parking lot and then fighting around uh, the outside of the building. And in the end, you will see PCO take out Jonah and leave him laying out on the ground. After this, it's time for Madman Fulton with Ace Austin in his corner to go against Josh Alexander. Josh Alexander will win this match. Relatively quick, I give it like a five-minute matchup when Josh powerbombed Fulton, then flipped him over and grabbed Fulton's leg, locked in the ankle lock, and Fulton tapped out. After the match, Josh wouldn't let go of the ankle lock, and the referee tapped Josh on the shoulder and told him to let go, but Josh doesn't. So Josh continues to crank on that ankle until Ace tries to sneak into the ring, and Josh sees this. He lets go of the ankle, and he looks at Austin. Austin sees the anger in Josh's eyes, and he just, like, looks at Madman Fulton, looks back at Josh, and he has to slide out of the ring. And he's conflicted because he doesn't want to get beat up, but he wants to save his friend, but he starts walking up the ramp. Josh grabs Fulton's ankle again and continues to lock in the ankle lock and continues to crank on it to a point that Fulton's boot eventually flies off his foot, giving the message that Josh broke Fulton's ankle. Uh, Ace Austin sees this, he walks up the ramp and walks to the back, he just holds his hands on his head and he just like throws it into the air like, I can't do nothing about that. So now it seems to me that Ace Austin and Fulton's relationship is going to change when Fulton basically ultimately sees this footage. And uh, there's going to be conflict between Fulton and Ace, but the bigger picture is Josh Alexander is sending a message to Moose that whenever he sees Moose, he's going to get his ankle and basically try to tear it off of his body. After this, we had a number one contender's knockouts battle royale. Tasha Steels was on commentary, watching the match. Rosemary would win the battle royale when it came down to herself, Giselle, Shaw, and Lady Frost. Once both Rosemary and Lady Frost were on the ring apron, Giselle rushed both of them, trying to knock them down. But instead, Rosemary and Frost grabbed Giselle and pulled her over the top rope. And in the process of doing this, Frost and Shaw both hit the ground, and hit the floor outside of the ring while Rosemary hanged onto the ropes, and this gave Rosemary the win. So, at Rebellion, it would be Tasha Steeles putting up her knockout championship against Rosemary. After this, we had the match of Aiden Prince going against Bupinder Gugier, and Brian Myers was on commentary for this matchup. Bupinder would win the match by pinfall when Prince missed hitting him with the 450 splash, and Bupinder would get on the second turnbuckle, and hit Prince with a spear for the win. After the match, Myers would leave his commentary table, trying to leave before W. Morrissey comes out. However, Morrissey would come up from behind Myers and attack him. Myers and Morrissey would brawl basically all the way back to Myers' commentary table, and Morrissey would try to lift up Myers to hit him with a powerbomb, but Myers was not being, like, pulled up because Myers was holding on to uh, Aiden Prince's leg. So it gave Morrissey a hard time for Myers to be lifted up. And Morrissey does this two times. And then the third time, Myers was able to slip out and escape and then run up to the ramp. Morrissey sees this. He turns around and looks at Myers. And then behind Morrissey, you see Aiden Prince get up and he pushes Morrissey in the back. Morrissey would turn around and grab Prince by the throat and then lift him up and hit him on a powerbomb and slam him through the commentary table as Brian Myers watched on the ramp. So, Morrissey is still having his beef with Myers, and anybody that comes in between that is basically going to get powerbombed through a table. After this, we have Masha Slamovich going against Abby Jane. Masha will win the match in quick fashion when she hits uh, Abby a little bit and then hits the snowplow, which is a Northern Lights bomb for the win. I'm telling you, they're giving her the early 2005 Samoa Joe situation. She's going to become an unstoppable force. And then when she challenges for that nightgown championship, she's going to win it. Masha Slavovic is getting that nice, like, presentable package. And I'm personally, I'm with it. After this, it's time for a main event. The tag team matchup between Bullet Club's Jay White and Chris Bay going against the Motor City Machine Guns. This is a rematch from two weeks ago when the Motor City Machine Guns won. However, this time, this was a different outcome. Bay and Jay White would win the match by pinfall when Chris Saban had Chris Bay in position for the cradle shock, but Jay White would get in the ring and hit Saban with a half-Nelson suplex, then lift Chris Saban up so Chris Bay could hit the Art of Finesse, which is a springboard cutter for the win. So now it's one and one. If they happen to do a rematch down the line, that'll be cool because this match between these two teams uh, showcase that these two teams have chemistry, and personally, I would love to see these guys wrestle just one more time to see... Well, basically, just to clear off that rubber match situation. But again, Impact Wrestling, great watch. Nothing bad to uh, say about Impact. Personally, I wish people would put more respect on Impact's name because they've been doing a lot of great, like, television, and I just don't see a lot of people covering it. But hey, people gonna, like, slip up on it, but one day they're gonna remember that Impact is a good show, and hopefully... With me talking about it, people will, like, tune into it. But anyway, Impact, great show, nothing to, uh, say anything bad about. Now, on to SmackDown. SmackDown opens up with the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Madcap Moss would win the match when he ends up throwing over Finn Balor. The final four men in this match were the Dirty Dogs, Dolph Ziggler, Robert Roode, and Finn Balor and Madcap. At one point, um... Finn had Robert Roode almost tossed out of the ring, but Dolph Ziggler comes running in to save Robert. So now you got both Dirty Dogs trying to get Finn out of the ring. So Madcap takes his time and runs over and throws out uh, Dirty Dogs. And he tries to throw out Finn at the same time, but Finn ultimately grabs the ropes. So he gets, like, stabilized and still in the match. And then once he runs back into the ring, he has a sling blade of Madcap Moss. And then he tries to run towards Moss but Moss just throws Finn over the ropes and that's the end of it so Madcap is your winner and now him and Corbin have won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal after this we would get a triple threat Intercontinental the Continental Championship matchup Andrew Garza going against Humberto going against the champion Ricochet and Ricochet would win the match by pinfall when he hits Angel with the 630 and then immediately pops up and hits Humberto with the recoil, a.k.a. the codebreaker, for the win. Uh, It was a solid triple threat match between all three of these guys. All three of them are high flyers. They're uh, quick and fast paced. so that's what you got from this matchup. You got a tag team of the Los Lotharios, Angel, and Humberto working together, but then as you know, as well as I do, in a triple threat match with a tag team, they always got to split, they always got to do some foul to one another, and that's what happened in this match. So, Ricochet ultimately wins by that. After this, we will have a tag team matchup. Naomi and Sasha Banks goes against Queen Selena and Carmella. Natalia and Shayna Baszler, as well as Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan, were at ringside for this match to scout their opponents that they're going to be facing at Mania for the Women's uh, World Tag Team Titles. Um, Naomi and Sasha Banks will win the match by pinfall when Naomi will hit the split leg and moonsault on Queen Selena Vega for the win. After this, now it's time for Rick Boogs with Shinsuke Nakamura in his corner to go against Jimmy Uso with Jay Uso in his corner. Interesting note of this. Uh, as Nakamura and Boogs were doing their entrance, and we know Pat McAfee likes to get on the announce table and jam out and enjoy the whole guitar as uh, Boogs is playing Nakamura down to the rink. Austin Theory will pop out from the crowd and clothesline Pat's leg and ultimately makes Pat fall on the table. Pat will get up and start chasing Theory and Theory will run all the way to the back into Vince McMahon's office. Pat will knock on the door and then he knows that he ain't gonna get nowhere with this and he decides to walk away. Pat stops himself, turns around and straight up just kicks Vince's door open and Vince pops out of the room and he walks up to Pat McAfee's face and asks him, what are you doing? And Austin Theory comes right behind Vince, like a small spoiled child. And Vince asks Pat, "Do you want your match at Mania to go away?" Pat looks at Vince, says, "No." So Vince tells Pat to go back out there and do his job, and Pat does this. So now Pat go back out to the commentary, and he's out there to commentate the Boogs versus Jimmy Uso matchup. But as he's doing this, you will see minutes later, Austin Theory will come down to the ring. He will grab one of the um crowds, attendees, drinks from their hands and throw it onto Pat. Austin thinks that Pat's going to chase him again and he decides to run off before Pat can get a chance and Pat just stands there as Michael Cole tells him to relax. You got mania to worry worry about and you'll get him there. Relax. So Pat doesn't chase him. But once Theory hits the entrance ramp, Finn Balor attacks Theory from from behind and throw him into the ring. And the referee would call for the bell and now it turns into a six-man tag match of Austin Theory and The Usos going against Shinsuke Nakamura, Rick Books, and Finn Balor. Theory would win the match for his team when he hits Finn Balor with A-Town down, and as he was hitting the move, he looked at Pat McAvee when he does this and pins him. Pat would get out of commentary, take off his headset, and then jump onto the ring apron and look at Theory after the match was over. And him and Theory would have this intense stare down. Michael Cole would get away from commentary, go over to Pat and tap him on the leg and tell him, hey, calm down, relax. Pat ultimately calms down. He gets off the ring apron and he just stares at Theory as we go to commercial. After this, it's time for the main event segment of the night. Happy talk. It is Corbin and Madcap out there. Madcap tells Corbin that he's won the Andre the Diamond Memorial by Royal and that this is a celebration for him. Corbin has to cut him off and say, hey, man, you want it, but you want it as my protege. You did something that I did in 2016 on my WWE debut, but that's neither here nor there. So Corbin would then take time to start talking about his match with McIntyre at Mania, and he talked about how he would demolish Drew at Mania, and then he would turn his attention over to how he got Drew McIntyre's sword. They play a video from him taken from... Drew last week, and then Drew uh Corbin would say that the people know that this sword was named after Drew's mother, Angela. And he would go in and crack a joke. And the joke was, What is something Drew's mother and the sword have in common? Drew lost both of them. And then you would hear the crowd go, ooh, and then you would see Drew McIntyre's music hits. He walks out, he's stone-faced, he ain't even just cracking a smile, no nothing. He's out there to kill, well, he's not going to kill Corbin, but he's out there to basically main Corbin. And before he even gets to the ring, you see Madcap get out of the ring, and you see Drew just deck up with one punch and knock Madcap down to the mat. Corbin would stand in the ring with the sword as Drew goes around to the timekeeper's area, grabs a steel chair, gets in the ring, throws it into Corbin's face, and Corbin eventually drops the sword. This will allow McIntyre to pick it up and swing it at Corbin. Corbin would duck and leave out of the ring and start heading up the ramp with Moss as Drew McIntyre just starts destroying the furniture of the Happy Toss segment. He throws the couches out, and then he takes his sword and starts breaking the table right dead in half. And that's your main event segment. That's the last thing that you see on SmackDown. Well, besides them going over and reading uh, the matches that's gonna happen at WrestleMania. Now it's time for AEW Rampage. First match of the night is Top Flight going against the Young Bucks. On commentary, they said this is a match 16 months in the making. The Young Bucks won with the match by pinfall when they hit the BTE trigger on Darius Martin for the win. Great tag team matchup, nice fast pace. Uh, between these two teams, that both of them know how to do high flying maneuvers. But they both do them sparingly, and they just know when to turn on the button when they have to do high-fly maneuvers. But other than that, great tag team matchup between both of these teams. Also, later on Rampage, we will get a backstage uh, segment from the Young Bucks, and they will list their accomplishments, the same accomplishments that FTR have already accomplished. And they will say that they accept FTR's challenge. So on Dynamite next week, it will be the Young Bucks going against FTR. After this, we have a in-ring promo from Scorpio Sky, Paige, Van Zandt, Ethan Page, and Dan Lamberg. and they're basically out here to tell Sammy that he isn't going to get another TNT Championship matchup. As well as Dan Lamberg does mention how, uh, last month he was he felt like the ugly bride the way that uh the beautiful bride and the groom left him at the altar. And he's referring to how Cody and Brandy just left AEW. That's for the insiders that know that one. Ultimately, as I said, they're out here to say that Sammy isn't going to get another match for the TNT Championship. Then a video of Sammy will pop up on the Titantron and he asks Dan Lamberg if he's going to get his match. Dan tells Sammy no. So then you see Sammy and Ty Conti in the parking lot next to Dan Lamberg's car. And they have sledgehammers, and now they are bashing Dan's car. They bust the windows from the driver's side. They bust, I believe, one of the like, headlights and start beating up the hood of uh, the vehicle. And then Sammy tells Ty to pass him on the spray paint. He sprays paints on the hood of the car, be mad, and then they run away. So again, this is still making Dan Lambert ultimately one day get upset to the point that he says, you know what, you get your rematch with Scorpio Sky for the TNT title. But right now, that's not today. After this, we get a six-man tag team matchup. House of Black will be going against Fuego Del Sol in Dark Orders, Evil Uno, and Stu Grayson. House of Black will win the match by pinfall when Malachi Black hits his spinning heel kick on Fuego as he springboards off the ropes for the win. Solid six-man tag matchup. I mean, at points you saw Fuego get some shots off of Malachi Black and that towards the ending you were like, oh my god, they're really allowing Fuego to get some hits off. But they do this to give you guys the false sense that he's gonna pull up some quick, like cool move, but Malachi kills that with a spinning heel kick and ends it right there. After this, we would get a woman Owen Hart Foundation tournament qualifying matchup. Jamie Hayter with rebel in her corner going against Sky Blue. Jamie Hayter will win the match by Pinfall when she hits the Rainmaker on Sky Blue for the win. So now Jamie has qualified for the Owen Hart Foundation tournament. Now aside for the main event, Powerhouse Hobbs going against Keith Lee. Keith Lee would win the match by pitfall when he hits the Big Bang Catastrophe for the win. See the funny thing about this is that Powerhouse Hobbs did have the match won when he did hit the Spine Buster on Keith Lee, but the referee was too distracted because Ricky Starks and Swerve was fighting on the outside of the ring and, T- and uh, Taz was trying to inform the ref that he needs to get back in the ring and pin, uh, catch the pin, but he doesn't. So then you see Powerhouse get off of Keith Lee, grab the referee, tell him to get back in the ring, and that's whenever Keith Lee was able to hit the big bang catastrophe. After the match, you would see Ricky Starks put Swerve through the timekeeper's table with the Rosham bow. And then you would see Ricky try to get into the ring with the steel chair, but Keith Lee would hit Ricky in the face. This would allow Hobbs to grab the steel chair, hit Keith Lee in the back with the steel chair. Hobbs would then tell Starks to grab a table, which he does, and he sends it into the ring. He sets it up uh, in the turnbuckle. Keith Lee would grab Starks by the throat, and Starks would just basically try to frantically get out of the choke, but he couldn't. So Hobbs basically speared Keith Lee right through the table. And that's how Dynamite ends with Team Taz, Taz, Ricky Starks, and Hobbs standing over Keith Lee's body on Rampage. Solid match, solid uh, hour of Rampage. Nothing for me to complain about. I just wish that you could put like this feud on Dynamite because, again, my biggest thing is that we're making Rampage into the Black People show. And there's only an hour I would like for you, if you're going to do that, showcase some of their feud on Dynamite and then still do that on Rampage. But give us some more black wrestlers on Dynamite instead of always relegating us to Rampage. That's just my only, like, complaint that I have with AEW, okay? Now, before I get you guys out of here, I want to give you guys my predictions for Stand and Deliver and WrestleMania both nights. For Stand and Deliver, we got the Tag Team Championship matchup before the NXT Women's Championship. Toxic Attractions, Gigi Dolan and J.C. Jane going against Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. I think we're going to get Raquel and Dakota winning the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships and actually them getting a run, uh, the run that they didn't get last year because if you remember, they were the first champions, but immediately they lost the belts too. Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart, like, immediately the match. Like, as soon as they got the titles, they had a match and they immediately lost. So, I think Raquel and Dakota is going to get their opportunity to run with the tag titles here. After this, the Fatal 5 way for the NXT North American Championship in a ladder match. Carmelo Hayes putting up his championship against Santos Escobar, Solo Sokoa, Grayson Waller, and Cameron Grimes. I see Cameron Grimes winning this. No disrespect to Carmelo Hayes. But they've been building up Cameron Grimes saying that he talked to his father last. And he's been like saying that his father passed away. So you're pulling on the emotional heartstrings, And I think that's where we're going to lead with this. Cameron Grimes with the win. Tommaso Ciampa going against Tony D'Angelo. I see Tony winning this by sneaky underhanded tactics. Because Tommaso already knows this is going to be his swan song off of NXT. And Tommaso is of the old school... Uh, teaching philosophy that when you leave a place, you got to put over the person that you're going against. So you got to put over Tony D'Angelo with this, or basically if put over means you have to lose and make the other person look good. So Tomasa Ciampa is going to lose as standing liver to Tony D'Angelo. After this, fatal four-way matchup for the NXT Women's Championship. Mandy Rose putting her title up against Cora Jade, Io Shirai, or Kaylee Ray. Before Eo and Kaylee got into this, I would have said Cora Jade. And I'm still kind of leaning towards Cora Jade, to be honest with you, because I don't see them giving them the title back to Eo Shirai. And Kaylee Ray, I think they still wanted to give her more reps before they give her the championship. And Mandy Rose has beaten everybody in the division. So well, she technically she hasn't beaten EO Shirai one-on-one. She hasn't beaten Kaylee Ray. So But I still see them giving this over to Cora J because she is technically of the NXT new era, this 2.0 era. And I think that's where we're going with this whole situation. I think that's where we're doing this. I think Cora J is going to win it. And then we're going to have Toxic Attraction literally be the uh, chicks that are just upset that they lost their championships. And they're going to try to pout and do everything they can to get back those titles. I see that's where we're going with Toxic Attraction. At least that's my interpretation. After this triple threat match for... The, the NXT tag titles, Imperiums, Fabian uh Egner and Marcel Bartel putting up their titles against the Creed Brothers and MSK. I see the Creed Brothers winning this. Again, they have the most momentum out of all three of these teams. And personally, they're the only teams their the only team in this match. They're coming in with a storyline that they can exit out of whenever they leave out of this match. Because remember, somebody's beating up and like destroying the diamond mines gym so once they win this tag titles i can see the team that were destroying the gym to pop out and attack them from behind and then you get your new tag team that's making a debut on standing delivered the biggest stage as well as you get your their intent of hey we're coming at you for the nxt tag team titles la knight versus gunther i see gunther winning there's no more i can say about that it's just gonna be a good match between knight and gunther NXT Championship matchup, the main event. Dolph Ziggler going against Braun Breaker. I see they're going to give Braun Breaker this. He's the new guy still, but he won it in Florida, not in front of a lot of people. They're going to give Braun Breaker this time to get the big main event uh, crowd cheering for him and just be happy for him. I see that especially with his father and his uncle Scott Steiner being inducted into the Hall of Fame last night. So they're probably going to be there to probably, like, interfere in the match as well to make sure Robert Rue doesn't do it so you're going to get a big Steiner-like celebration at the end of NXT Stand and Deliver. At least that's in my hopes of what's going to happen. But anyway, that's my prediction for NXT Stand and Deliver. Now it's time for WrestleMania. Uh, Tonight, Saturday, April the 2nd, Becky Lynch going against Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship. This is Bianca's time. Bianca's gonna win it so this will be another notch in her belt at Wrestlemania and this will be also another notch of her beating one of the uh NXT's uh female four horsemen four horsewomen so this will be a perfect thing if they don't do that I don't know what to say I think you're gonna get like the biggest chorus of boos for Becky Lynch if she wins this thing and not Bianca Belair that's just my personal thing matter of fact not even personal thing I can just see that Right now, if Bianca doesn't win tonight against Becky Lynch, you're going to see a lot of people booing this thing. And I don't think that's going to be good for business. After this, the is going against The Miz and Logan Paul. I see the Mysterios winning this. And I see Logan Paul more than likely probably eating the pin because he didn't save The Miz on Monday Night Raw. And Miz likes to hold a grudge. So I see that's exactly where we're headed with this thing. After this, Drew McIntyre going against Happy Corbin. Drew McIntyre is going to win this because Corbin pushed it too far when he talked about his mother, and we need a good thing for Drew. Drew's going to claim more kick Corbin, and more than likely we're probably going to see Madcap not even help Corbin out because I think Madcap's going to see that Corbin's been, like, leaving him so many times in the dust to be getting beat up on. I think this is going to be Madcap's realization. He's going to walk away from Corbin. Uh, SmackDown Tag Team Titles. Usos going against Nakamura and Boogs. I see Nakamura and Boogs winning this. The Usos are not winning. The Usos have beaten every team on the roster, on the SmackDown roster. There's no other teams for them to go against. So I see Nakamura and Boogs legitimately winning this. And it's not against, nothing against the Usos. But again, you guys, whenever you get put up to a high pedestal and you've beaten everybody, there's no other thing but to go down and they got to be rebuilt back up. So Nakamura and Boogs, are going to win this. And also, WWE likes Boogs. So, they're going to give Boogs his uh, WrestleMania moment by being a SmackDown Tag Team Champion. Uh, the New Day's Xavier Woods, well, King Xavier, and Kofi Kingston going against Sheamus, Ridge, Holly, and Butch in their corner. Uh, you know what? This is the mismatch situation. If we had Biggie, the legit three members of New Day going against Sheamus and Ridge and Butch, I was going to say the New Day. And I still want to say the New Day. And that's what I'm still going with. I'm going with New Day. Uh, Seth Rollins going against somebody to be announced. Uh, the guy who's going to be announced is going to beat Seth Rollins. No matter what, I don't care who it is, Seth Rollins isn't winning at Mania. And if anything, people still saying Cody, people might be saying somebody else. I don't know who it is. I can't wait to see it tonight. Personally, that's one of like the biggest question marks that we're going to see tonight, and I can't wait. Charlotte Flair going against Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I see Ronda winning because I don't think we're going to have Ronda losing at Mania again without something. I think Ronda's going to be leaving with the SmackDown Championship, and I think Charlotte's going to just tap out. I think Ronda's going to make Charlotte tap out in the main event. Well, not the main event, because technically the main event of WrestleMania for Saturday tonight is Kevin Owens' show with Stone Cold Steve Austin and Kevin Owens. Now, for Sunday, night two of WrestleMania, Fatal Four Away tag team matchup for the women's. Tag Team Championships, Queen Selena and Carmella defending their belts against Sasha Banks and Naomi, Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan, and Natalya and Shayna Baszler. I have Sasha and Naomi winning. They are the more popular team out of all these women in this matchup, bar none. And personally, I would like Sasha Banks and Naomi to win because, you know what, Naomi needs to have another title around her waist because, by God, she is over with the fans. Sasha, she is over with the fans. Rhea, she's over with fans as well, but and Liv Morgan as well. But Sasha and Naomi are like over over. Naomi can be away, and then she can pop back, and the fans love her. Same thing with Sasha Banks. She can go away and then they pop her right back on television and the fans love Sasha Banks. Those two are the most beloved women on the female roster, on the actual roster. Screw female, but just on the roster, period. So I want to give Sasha Banks and Naomi the win. After this, Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville, anything goes. Johnny Knoxville is winning this. He's probably going to have some of his jackass castmates come out there and help him beat up on Sami Zayn. If Sami Zayn wins against Johnny Knoxville, I won't be mad at that neither. I just know we're going to have an interesting matchup between Knoxville and Sami. Pat McAfee versus against Austin Theory. I see Pat McAfee winning, and guess what? I think we're going to get Shane McMahon helping out Pat McAfee against Austin Theory. Austin Theory has been running towards Vince like a spoiled brat child. And what else better way to beat up a spoiled brat child with the actual child of somebody's loins? So I think Shane McMahon is going to pop up and probably tag Austin Theory and probably help out Pat McAfee to beat up Theory. Now, if Shane comes out there and helps out Theory, I'm going to be shocked by this. So I'm hoping that Shane comes out there and help out Pat McAfee. That's just my personal uh, belief on that triple threat match for the raw tag team championships. RK bro going against the street profits going against alpha Academy. You know what? RK bro is going to win this. Uh, it would be great if you give this thing to, uh, either the street profits or the alpha Academy because street profits have been Street profits are going into something else. They're either tweeners or bad guys. So it's great to see how we're going to push that. Alpha Academy, they've been working their butt off. Otis and Gable, especially Gable, especially with this whole shush and thank you whole deal. Alpha Academy is one of the brightest like lights on the Raw like show. So you know what? Either team winning this match. I'm not a problem. I don't have a problem with it at all. I know we're gonna get a great match out all three of these teams. But if you were to tell me pick which one, RK bro, Edge versus AJ Styles. Uh, I'm saying we're gonna go with AJ winning this. AJ needs a WrestleMania moment. AJ has won at Mania against Randy and with Omos last year against the New Day. But other than that, he's lost every other match. Well, except for the Shane McMahon match. I forgot about that. He beat Shane as well. But he hasn't had like a WrestleMania moment moment. And I believe Edge can give him this type of moment that we're looking for. And also with Edge losing, Edge is not on the main roster. He's not on the main roster, like going out and traveling 24 7, 365, like the rest of those superstars on, on the roster. So I can see Edge losing this. He can go away, then pop back up being more vicious, more evil, and get, like, saying that he wants to get his win on AJ Styles. I can see that. So I'm going with AJ. Bobby Lashley versus Omas. I'm going to go with, ooh, you know what? I want to say Lashley. I'm going with Lashley over Omos, because you know what, Omaz is unstoppable, he is undefeated, and usually when we get something like that, and you're going against a incredible opponent like Bobby here, they have something in the works for you, so if he beats Lashley, they have something in the works for him, but Omaz is still green, he's still not the uh, unstoppable force that I know they want him to be, like picking up people and destroying them, just all they want. Bobby is able to do that, so I think Bobby's going to win. However, again, I want to see this be a good, like, five-minute match between the two guys because Bobby Lashley knows how to use his speed and power eloquently and quickly. Omos needs to learn how to do certain things. But again, I have Lashley winning. And then in the main event, winner takes all, Unify, WWE Championship and the WWE Universal Championship. Brock Lesnar going against Roman Reigns with his special counsel, Paul Heyman, by his side. I need to see Roman win this thing. I need it, I need it, I need it off of this fact alone. We have both men. Both of them have beaten Taker at Mania. Last time they had a matchup at Mania, we saw Brock beat Roman. And that was at WrestleMania 34 in 2018. Then you had Roman become this god mode that he's in now, this new caricature, this new guy, the guy that we all wanted to see for some time now, since he's left the shield and they try to turn him into this wisecracking, good guy, smiley face, baby face, no, he was always this guy that we all knew he could be and that we all knew he should be, this guy right here, this god mode, this is what we wanted and we finally got it, so... Okay, take that. And he's been undefeated since 2019. They like to throw it up in December 2019. That was the last time he's either been pinned or submitted. Now, let's flip it. Brock Lesnar, unstoppable force, monstrous of a man. And he's now onto this whole thing of being a cowboy Brock Lesnar. And again, the same thing with Edge. He's not going around 365 days on the whole roster, he's not there all the time, so he can eat this loss, and then he comes back still being Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, if he loses this thing, we have basically had Roman be undefeated literally for straight up since 2019, and then he's been on this unstoppable reign as Universal Champion for 500 and almost 90 days, only for Brock Lesnar to come in and then win it, Who does that benefit? It doesn't benefit Roman. This only benefits Brock Lesnar. And boy, oh boy, don't you think Brock has got enough things? And it's not me crapping on Brock. Because, boy, I love Brock. I've loved Brock since he's gotten into WWE in 2002. And then when he left to go to UFC, big supporter. And then when he came back against Triple H. And then all these other things. He kept on coming back and coming back and leaving and coming back. I've been a big supporter of Brock. Let's not get me twisted here. But Roman, he needs this win. He needs it to solidify himself as the GOAT, being the benchmark for this generation of professional wrestlers, being this benchmark for the professional wrestling uh, main eventer guys, and that's what we need. Roman is the benchmark, and if he loses, why? And also, ladies and gentlemen, here's something that you guys need to know too. We are having the Raw after Mania, the night after night two on Monday Night Raw. If you want Roman to drop the WWE Championship that night, you can do that because you are literally Raw after Mania. That is literally Bizarro World. Everybody's there. Everybody's just there to have a good time. You get to see returns. You get to see surprises. You get to see people coming back from injuries. You get to see debuts. You get to see things that people would not usually get to see all year round on the WWE television product. On that Monday Night Raw. The night after Mania. You can get away with things. But if Roman loses the night after Mania. You can get away with it. But it just has to be to a credible person. And Brock being that person. Is still not it. You could pick anybody else. But it has to be somebody credible. Hopefully. It will be somebody that we know. And hopefully somebody that we believe in. A.K.A. Cody Rhodes. That's the only one. It's already been reported that he signed with WWE and I believe that either. If he's not going to show up at WrestleMania tonight as Seth's opponent, he's going to pop up on Monday Night Raw more or less calling out Roman Reigns. That's just my personal opinion and he's going to beat Roman for the WWE Championship at Raw the night after Mania. That's just my personal belief because I don't believe that both championships should be unified. I think it should be one world champion or one show, or one world champion on the other and Roman and him and his talk of him being the tribal chief, him being the special uh him having the special council and this being his island, he can make up the rules as he goes. I can see Roman saying, "You know what? I had a great night of Mania. I smashed Brock. I'm a, the king of the castle here. This is my island. I do what I want." And he can say, "You know what? For everybody here, I'm going to issue an open challenge to anybody tonight. You just gotta be here." You just got to come out here and be willing to get smashed. And then Roman waits, waits for Cody, pop up, Cody hits the crossroads, ding, ding, ding. Especially, it was a quick win, it's quick and fast and to the point people will lose their mind and say, oh my God, Cody's a WWE champion. You get the wrestling fans talking about it and you set a precedent for how the wrestling world looks at WWE right then and there. You set a precedent for how AEW is going to look at WWE and how basically WWE shoved it right into AEW's face off rip at the beginning of their brand new calendar year for the professional wrestling world, WWE world, right there. I'm just saying there's a lot of things you can do, but again, those are my predictions. That's what I want to happen uh, the night after Mania, and that's who I want to win, the Universal and WWE Championship, Roman Reigns. That needs to happen but anyway we shall see i'll be watching and on monday you guys will be getting a uh review of wrestlemania and stand and deliver as well as me talking about the highlights of what happened at ring of honor SuperCard of honor i have not seen it yet but i will see it and that's why i say monday you'll be getting reviews and highlights from that special event as well Now, with all that being said, this has been Wrestling Highlights of the Week presented by Mod Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. He's I and I am him. I love you all. I hope to hear you guys. I hope that you hear from me on Sunday so you can hear from my episode. It's called Come On. Trust me, you guys are not going to want to miss this. And I hope you guys are willing to want to hear from me again Monday for the wrestling, I mean, WrestleMania review and my standard liver review and also final, not final battle, but Ring of Honor Super Card of honor review with that all being said i love you all i hope you guys uh would check in again but if not you guys are here for me again next saturday i love you all have a great saturday and kanye can you please take these people home i'm tired you Uh tired jesus wept